Welcome to Succession Stories. I'm Lori Barkman. As an exit value planning and M&A advisor, I call myself the business transition Sherpa. This podcast guides entrepreneurs from transition to transaction, from building value in your business to letting go. What do I do when I'm not hosting a podcast? I work with owners to maximize business value with my firm, small.big. And as a certified mergers and acquisitions advisor with Stony Hill, I guide you through the complex process of selling your company. Tune into Succession Stories for weekly insights to reward your hard work and avoid succession regrets. Hit subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts and sign up for our newsletter at successionstories.com. Here's to your success. Most successful business owners spend their time running their business. Their expertise is not planning how to exit or planning what might happen to the company, their family, and all of their employees and customers if something happens to them. That is the expertise of Pass It On Inc. in Colorado. I spoke with the father-daughter team, Don C. and Misty Mester. Since 1947, their company has helped families think through the options and potential outcomes of passing it on, and they have forged their own journey through three generations of succession. They design plans and funding arrangements to protect family businesses from the financial disasters that can jeopardize their survival. I really enjoyed my conversation with Misty and Dawn about the differences between succession, exit, and emergency or contingency planning. Listen in to learn why exit planning isn't just about money, it's about people with Don C. and Misty Mester. 100% of owners will leave their business one day, but few are prepared. Through this show and in my advisory practice, I've spoken with hundreds of people about the uncertainty they feel about big questions like, who will take over for me one day? And what should I be doing now to get ready? To guide you through these challenges, I've written a book called The Business Transition Handbook. It provides real life stories, exercises and tools to help you get ready and let go on your own terms without regrets. Get the book and sign up to receive exclusive content by visiting businesstransitionhandbook.com. That's businesstransitionhandbook.com. Is this the year to sell your company? Don't leave your exit to chance. Stony Hill Advisors works with entrepreneurs like you to get ready for what may be the biggest transaction of your life. Learn what your business is worth by visiting stonyhilladvisors.com slash podcast. Don C. and Misty Mester, thank you so much for being with me on Succession Stories because we're going to talk about your succession story for you, Don, and also you, Misty. And as people have heard in this introduction, you're a father-daughter team, and that's really special. And we've had a couple of fathers and, and their children on the show, mothers and their children, and it's just a joy to have you. This topic is so important, exit planning and contingency planning and learning from all of your experiences. So welcome. Thank you, Lori. Thanks for having us. Good to visit with you. Absolutely. Why don't we start with Don? Don, tell us about your succession story with the business. And in that story, I'm sure you'll tell us a little bit about your firm. I started in the insurance industry as an actuary because I didn't have enough personality to be an accountant. Nah, and, not true. 
after seven years, discovered that I was a horrible corporate employee and went looking for a place to build my own practice. And I found a guy in Colorado Springs who started here right after the war. So he began working with the people who built the city of Colorado Springs in 1947. We still have clients today from 1947. Amazing and the four or five generations that have succeeded them. So I came in with him in the mid 70s. Shortly after that, the financial planning revolution occurred. And when everybody was going left, we turned right. We did not become financial planners. We did not become investment advisors. We focused on doing the financial and family part of estate planning for people who own their own businesses. That was the concept, that was the goal. The other thing, my marketing philosophy actually comes out of Proverbs. Let the words of another praise you and not your own mouth. So I have been the worst service club, leads group, promotion person that has ever existed in our industry. I went to CPAs and attorneys and trust officers and educated them on how much trouble their clients were in. Because nobody has a succession plan, Laura. Even in this day, you know that. Even in this day and age, it's something like 70% of businesses are still thinking about it. And it was not too long before they began introducing me to their clients, began doing seminars for their offices and for their clients, and just teaching them, if you don't have a plan, here's what's going to happen. And in most cases, they did have a plan. And most of the people you're talking to who own businesses have a plan. It's whatever their will says. And the state they live in. And the state they live in. And in many instances, they're going to turn that company over to somebody who has zero desire and almost less capability to run the company. So that was the advent. My wife encouraged me to begin writing a newsletter because I'd always been a writer. And we started a newsletter in 1990 called Pass It On. And then when my partner died and uh, I wasn't worried about getting sued without having him alongside me, we changed the name of the company to Pass It On Incorporated. And it has been now for uh, 30 years. It's a great name. One of the things that I saw on your website is it says, if it could go the way I want it to, how should it go? And you've experienced this for yourself, but you're eating your own dog food, as we say, because you went through this transition with your partner dying. And that in and of itself is is a transition, even though it's very unpleasant and, and sad. And now you've transitioned the business with your daughter, who's who's right next to you. <laughs> for people who are watching us on video, they can see the love between these two. <laughs> There's no boundaries. But Misty, from your perspective, why don't you share your story and, and how you've transitioned the business with your father? Okay. I grew up with Pass It On. We folded the newsletters as kids <laughs> and licked the envelopes. And I refer to dad's former partner as Grandpa Les. He was someone that we adopted and belonged to us. When I was 17, I worked in dad's office doing data entry when I wasn't lifeguarding basically that summer. And it occurred to me, there were lots of insurance policies, trusts, agreements, business documents. All of it looked very boring, to be honest. 
But every client that came to see dad every day that summer was somebody I grew up calling uncle or aunt. They were people that had adopted us and we'd adopted them. And I thought my family much larger than actually was. You're like what? They're they not related? <laughs> I guess, you know, that makes sense. We look nothing like each other. <laughs> but, and it occurred to me then that whatever he did was so intimate and so valuable to the people that he had helped and the way that he did it mattered so much that we belonged to each other going forward. And that was really what I wanted to sign up for. So I think I told him that summer I would take over for him someday. And when you were 17? When I was 17. Wow. We recall that conversation a little differently. He thinks I said I'd put him in a nursing home. I've never <laughs> put him in a nursing home. Every morning I check, I check the doorway for security guards when I come into the office. <laughs> no, that's not the intention. But I did want to work with him and learn from him and, and have the right to carry this on if it was possible. And he said to me, you know, I think you're genetically designed to do this. I am the middle of three kids. So he had other options for sure. But I don't want to be your first boss. So go do something else first. Be successful at it. And what I found later was that that was the wisdom of experience speaking because he had helped clients through every type of transition, often including children, but not always. And he had decided, you know, I want this to be Misty's decision. I don't want her ever to wonder if I put this on her. And I want her to have tried something else and done well with it so that she knows she made this choice on her own. So that was good. So I came back in 2012 after about a decade in hospitality. So you really thought through that decision. And I, I hear the advice, Don, that you gave to Misty to, to get experience elsewhere. I hear that a lot. You know, sometimes it's, yes, I folded the papers or I swept the floors and I worked my way up. I do hear those stories as well. And we've shared those on the show. I think the common link, though, is respect and that you respect the business that's been built. You want to continue it forward. Your goals are aligned. How you get there, you know, is no one path. Your path was to get experience elsewhere in a completely different industry also. But then you found your way back. I guess it is interesting, too. As we think about family businesses and the options that they have, and you call this out, you know, in terms of the overall questions that are asked of business owners as they think about their big picture strategic plan. And I, I sort of phrase it this way, which is, well, who is the natural acquirer of your company? Mm -hmm. That answer can really vary. Now, for you, it was, it was Don, it was, it was your daughter. Did you contemplate any other option? Well, I had to. We had our kids late. Uh, so I was 40 by the time her sister was born. By the time she decided to join me, I was already in my 60s. And I had many friends, well-intended, who said, okay, smart guy, what's your succession plan? And the answer is, I'm not sure. I'm not going to close the door on my children until they're out of college and they're grown and they have decided for themselves. It became apparent that my other two children, my, my younger daughter announced she was going to be a nurse when she was 10 years old. 
and she is. Uh-huh. And so she was not suited for it. And my son operates in the financial world at a level that if he was to join us, it'd be like hunting rabbits with an F-16. Yeah. When Misty came back and began to express interest, which we deferred for four years, you had yeah. committed to doing something <laughs> with her previous company. But when that happened, I had a backup plan of bringing in someone from a firm we're affiliated with in California and basically saying to them, which one of you wants to get out of California? And if anything were to happen to Misty now, we still need an emergency plan. Nothing has changed. She's got one if anything happens to me and I've got one if anything happens to her. That would still be the approach. Who is your most important customer? The person who buys your business. Stony Hill Advisors works with owners to maximize the value when you're ready to sell. Get started today with a business valuation by visiting stonyhilladvisors.com slash podcast. That's a great segue because I want to talk about what you do with clients, how you help clients, how you serve their interests. It thematically is so on point with this show, which is why I invited you on. And by the way, we won't acknowledge our mutual client by name to embarrass him on on this recording, but we do want to call him out that that's how I've met you. And he's he's a wonderful person. And I know how much you've helped him in his company. And how you've been working with him, I'm guessing, is indicative of how you've worked with other clients, which I'll describe as a, at a very high level. And then, Misty, I want you to explain a little bit more for the audience, folks that are listening. You work in succession planning, right? You're trying to help business family businesses determine their path forward. Mm-hmm. And if we're going to use the industry jargon, it's exit planning, which people have heard a lot about on this show for sure and contingency planning. Now, contingency planning is different. And when I talk with clients about the differences, their eyes light up like, oh, I get it. Let's explain what does that mean from how, again, what you do and how you provide value in the context of those two areas of service. Yeah, those are, in our minds, those are the two prongs of business succession planning. Although succession planning is used all over the place, and it means very different things, depending on who's saying it. When we talk about it, we are talking about that the the exit strategy and the emergency plan, I guess, would go, they need to be parallel courses. It isn't a, what do I do first? In fact, if, if someone is meeting us for the first time, we want them to have the contingency plan first. That's the safety net. That's What happens to this if anything happens to me or my partner or anyone who owns something here? And where does the actual control go? There's a difference between control and leadership. And a lot of succession planning firms help people to develop leadership and coach and bring people along. It's not what we do. We look at who owns the company, who, where is the control and the liability, and how is it legally transferred from one person to another or entity. The exit strategy is what people want to think about when they think about succession planning. And that's how do I get out someday and make all of this worthwhile? 
And when we're talking with business owners, we are very clear. You should definitely be planning for that from day one. You should be thinking about what's my goal? Am I building this to eventually sell it? Am I building a legacy for my family? Am I trying to build something that can belong to employees someday? Those are different courses. But no matter what the exit plan is, until the day a business owner is out and no longer owns that company, we tell them to be prepared to hold that with an open hand because the plan for an exit will change every day between here and the day you actually are out because the people will change. People come and go in organizations. The industry will change. What you do that makes you valuable can change. Um, and so you do, it's one of those things you have to plan for, but you, you have to be willing to adjust and adapt as you plan. And you're kind of setting the sail. And gotcha. the children will change. They'll change <laughs> their attitude. They'll change their goals. Or they'll hide it for many years and then finally tell you what they really think. <laughs> if we're involved, we encourage our clients not to bring children into the company in high school like most people do. Mm -hmm. and through college, and then keep them there. Yeah. Because it will almost always be true that they pay them less because they don't want to appear to be favoring them. They'll be harder on them because they're parents. And what I've seen so many times is it can begin to build a resentment that actually interferes with, with a smooth transition of ownership. So... That we're working with the family. We were supposed to meet with them yesterday, but the daughter got sick and we're going to meet with them next week. I've known this man for 22 years. I developed a plan that took the company from his parents to him and his brother. I developed the plan that took the company from his brother back to him because the brother didn't want to do it. And I've been talking to him for seven years about children who have the capability and the interest, but just weren't mature enough yet to come into the company. Five years ago, the daughter came into the company and has been tremendously helpful. The son became a financial planner. And I said to our client at the time, it's okay, he can recover from that. <laughs> and that industry can be so difficult. And it didn't turn out to be what he had hoped it would be. He came back to his dad kind of sheepishly and said, this is still an opportunity for me to work with you and my sister. And he said, sure, come and work and show me what you can do. So we're at a stage now where we're in the, in the exit strategy world. We are somewhat strategic because we've seen everything um, about how you can transfer your company and to whom and what the economics are and what the tax implications are and so forth. But mainly we just coach them. We, we don't. We're more like counselors. Yeah. We, yeah. Actually, the therapist is a good word because it, there's a lot of emotion in some of these decisions. There many, it is. Many dynamics. And then the emergency plan, you, ha you, you have to have a better emergency plan than the one you have today. Because the one most business owners have today say, 
Well, I'm going to leave the company to my husband. He's been around the whole time. He'll be fine. Yes, and the employees will leave within 30 days. So that that's a big focus of our company. The two things we're known for are developing emergency plans that make our clients uncomfortable, but they have to be they have to be done. And to get to that, our interview process, I used to have four page fact finders. That lasted less than a year until I figured out all I need to do is say, okay, who owns your company? Who will own it if you don't show up Monday morning? Who should own it if you don't show up Monday morning? And then we're into a conversation uh, of succession planning and developing an emergency plan. And the other most effective question that I've ever used is sitting in a meeting with a, a potential client and their spouse. And after the client goes on and on about how capable the spouse is and how they've been near the company the whole time and how they know where all the books are and they can run it, I have gone so far as to go, bang, you're not here anymore. You can't say anything. What do you think about this plan? Is this what you want to do with the rest of your life? And I mean, I've had everything from tears to screams to panic. No, in almost every instance, if they're not working together on a daily basis now, the spouse does not want to have that responsibility. We had a wife roll her chair across the room away from her husband just within a couple of weeks of this call. What do you mean roll away, like in an office environment, just to separate? She wanted to climb out of her skin at the thought of the realization of what would be left behind to her and what she would be responsible for if he were gone. And how all her managers managers were obviously going to do the best thing for her. Including children of theirs. And I pointed out to people, well, they might. Or they may not want to work for her. They might she have, may not be a really great leader of the company. That's not what she's been doing. Right. But I guarantee you, the day you showed up at work on your new Harley Davidson, they began wondering what happens to this That's company. right. They're looking at risks and they're thinking about it too. I hear it a bit when the leading generation is getting older, right? The employees are wondering what is the plan. Absolutely. So getting out in front of it, again, there's a difference between exit planning and being purposeful and having all these options and also the contingency. How do we solve for some of the contingencies? And the ones we've talked about today are largely focused on death. There are also other things that might derail our plans, divorce and business partnership dissolution and things like that. But why don't we just talk a little bit about some of the solutions that you've seen work well buy sell agreements, you know, things like that, you know, what, what do you put in place to help clients? Well, so there's classically speaking in terms of actual stock ownership. Um, there are, there are kind of two classic boilerplate ways to transfer a company or to do a buy sell agreement. And one is a corporate stock redemption. Um, the other is a cross purchase agreement. Each of those have pros and cons, and some of the cons with both of those structures, particularly when you're talking about an emergency plan, not just a transition plan or, a, or an exit, um, can be pretty major. And so 
we have been forced over the last 40 years to develop strategies that answer the problems introduced by the classic forms of planning. Um, For instance, oftentimes when, let's say there's just one business owner, owns 100% of the company and has identified a, a group. We always say, you know, it's hard to replace yourself because there's nobody that's just like you. Um, and a lot of times the most successful business owners are kind of anomalies. They are really good at differing skill sets <laughs> that most people are not good at at the same time. So um, we'll say choose the smallest number of people who can complement one another in order to effectively replace what you do. And if that's a combination of key employees and a child, great. Name those people. And then we can create a separate entity so that if you were going to do a a stock redemption, for instance, you would have to give them some ownership first while you still are living and should control the company um, in order for them to have the right to buy stock and redeem your stock at, at your death or disability so that they can own the company going forward. And that may not be best. You may not want partners. And so we can actually create a buyer separate from the company that's protected from the the pitfalls of ownership of stock and have that entity enter into a buy-sell agreement with the company in your estate so that you can, we, we use the term anoint your successors and you have the flexibility to change it. If I were to pick someone as my successor and give them stock in my company so that I can execute a buy-sell agreement with them, and then they leave <laughs> or, or something goes haywire or they get divorced and their stock is declared in the divorce decree. I'm now fighting to get the stock back that I gave away to begin with and paying for it in most instances. And that's a horrible thing to have to do. Um, and so we kind of try to design plans that retain ultimate control and flexibility for the business owner so that they aren't forced to do something that doesn't make sense for the company as it's operating today, just in order to make the emergency plan work. Um, And so those are some of the strategies that we use. We use separate LLCs in many instances. We use trusts where that makes sense. Um, It all depends on the situation. Don, you said something before we hit the record button about your philosophy on exit planning and what it's about. They said it's not about the money, it's about people. But it's complicated because it is about money and ownership. But why did you say that statement? Why is that your philosophy? Well, because so much of what goes on in the planning world is driven by taxes and it's all about the money. And I'm not saying we don't deal with that. But I'm saying that we've discovered sometimes painfully Mm-hmm. that the family dynamics are the most important part of the plan options that you're going to consider. And we very commonly develop emergency plans that direct a company to the child or 
children who are already involved in the company, who have been there for a couple decades, who are capable of running it. And then when the family says, but how do we treat the other children fairly? Because they think this is nothing but a gold mine. And our kids in the company know it's a lot of darn work. And that's where we develop. And the second thing we're kind of known for nationally, uh, we've got we got several hundred clients in 46 states. We've been, I've been doing this a long time. And uh, one of the things we're known for is developing plans for internal transfers of the company to key employees and family members with an emergency plan that guarantees that the spouse and the family trust are not going to own the company. It's going to be sold to the, to the people who can run it. And we're developing a plan right now where uh, later today we are talking to a 41-year-old woman who works in the company with her dad, and it's a very successful company, and she has got three siblings, two of whom want nothing to do with the company, and one of whom isn't willing to come and work, but wishes he, he owned part of the company. And we're recommending a buy-sell agreement between her and her father hosted in a separate LLC so that she doesn't control his insurability if anything happens to her. And, and the explanation is when your siblings look at you and say, well, you got the company, you look right back at them and say, yeah, but I paid for it. I provide a buyer for dad that he didn't have. And uh, they'll never fully appreciate how much work it is to run that company. But at least you can you can look at them with complete confidence and say, they didn't give me anything. I yeah, absolutely. Them. That's important. You know, back to the conversation about unexpected death, I recently had unfortunate news that one of my clients passed away. And we were on the front end of the coaching and planning. And his son is in the business. The The father wanted to see him take over the names on the door, you know, mm -hmm. and the son would be second generation. And we just never got that far. The wife had reached out to me. I had not spoken with her before. And she had asked me for, from my understanding, what were his intentions? Oh. So I presume that this will move forward amicably. You know, I think it was a uh, not a biological mother, but somebody who was very much interested in in her husband's wishes and, you know, and seeing it through with the son. But it's an unfortunate situation because just as you were illustrating, all of a sudden now she owns the business. She wasn't working in it. She doesn't know anything about it. And she's trying to figure out what to do. And it's so stressful on top of everything else. Right. Well, and it's not the best time for her to be thinking about those Having things. to make those decisions. She, we we recommend to our client, we do a fair amount of um, what we call estate conservation. We're not attorneys, so we don't call the state planning in case some attorney on the East Coast gets his nose out of joint. <laughs> but <laughs> because out here in the West, we all work together and everybody's pulling their own weight. And, and frankly, we have an attorney, a very well-known attorney locally who says, I would rather introduce you to my clients before I design a plan. Because you'll spend four hours that I can't bill for asking them questions and listening to the answers. 
Yeah. Now it's yeah, really we, important. We have to pay almost more attention to the people who are not in the room with us and to what their expectations really are, many of which they will never speak. And so um, when we when we talk about family dynamics, I think we both happen to be optimists and we we operate from the standpoint that it is possible to do what's best for everyone involved. That doesn't mean they all get treated the same. Fair and equal are never the same thing when you're dealing with children or employees. But it does mean it's possible to do what's right or what's best for every person in the picture. And that's that's the responsibility of the business owner. They are the best person suited to do that and to make those decisions. So, 100%. And we had that experience uh, that you've had, Lori. Yeah. Where we just met somebody or there were things in the family that were not resolved. Sometimes we don't know what they are. We're trying to learn the family culture. We're trying to figure out who's who. They've got some secrets and they don't want to share it with us, but the plan doesn't get done. And every once in a while, Misty and I will look at each other and go, well, we'll clean that up in the next generation. You, you can still get it right. <laughs> There's still time. Eventually. Eventually. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And because we do a lot of funded by sell agreements, the underwriting dynamic is always something we're dealing with. We're dealing many times with older people. They all have a medical history. We're very adept at going out to the general market and finding the best insurability we can. So we have a funded buy-sell agreement between one generation and the next. And I got, we're working with a family in California. We have been working with this family for 17 years. The first level of the plan from one generation to the next didn't get completed until about eight years ago. Wow. And, and one of the reasons is that 10 years ago, we agreed on a plan, father, very successful business, two sons, could not be more different. They actually, he had, actually had to create two separate companies for them because they couldn't work together. And we went into a, this one happened to be where the corporation would redeem the stock and then he could select which of the sons took over what percentage of the main company. And I get a phone call. I had, a, had an insurability approved on him. He was in his 70s. It wasn't cheap, but it was the only thing available. And it was a preferred rate. And I got a phone call one day and he said, uh, so can I take advantage of that offer today? I said, what'd you do? Well, I went in for my annual physical and I had an irregular EKG. I said, guess what, buddy? The offer's off the table. We'll pick it up later. And it took four years for him to become insurable again. Wow. And that happens. A lot more expensive. There is a, it might be urban legend, but, but in the planning community, they talk about Nat King Cole. Nat King Cole had a very large estate, particularly in, in the days uh, that he lived, and had applied for a $2 million life insurance policy to pay estate liquidity taxes. And he didn't accept it. And so he died with that offer on the table. And wow. Place. And then it, 
you know, some people wonder why his daughter worked so hard to build a singing career. She didn't have a choice. I never heard that story. Thanks for sharing that. That is a memorable, you know, famous person. Yeah. And even at, you know, say his standing and all the advisors he probably had around him, he didn't do it. And to hitchhike on what Misty said earlier, in our world, the emergency plan is only more important than the strategic plan because you need to do that right now. Because you don't control it. We need to start on that today and get it done as fast as we can. And then you can forget about it <laughs> and change it as circumstances change. That's the other thing. In my training, irrevocable trusts and, and generation skipping strategies and, and many things that are used for families who have some assets, you can't change them once you've done them. We don't do that. I, I've always said to my clients, I'll start doing irrevocable stuff when I start meeting with irrevocable people. But my people change and their families change and their needs change and, and their goals change. So virtually all the planning Misty and I do is uh, maintains flexibility and control for the client. So they can, the mutual client you referred to that we have, uh, we have changed his plan five times. Yeah. Because he started with a group of top managers that he wanted to have participate because his little tribe of boys were way too young to consider it. <laughs> and now we have we have one left of the original group and the others have come and gone as the company has grown. Change is constant. Yeah, but the way we design it, we, we can bring new people in and we can let people go. Yeah, flexibility absolutely is important. So winding down here, I wanna ask a question of both of you. Misty, this will go to you first. If there's one question that you want a business owner to be thinking about as they listen to this episode and mulling it over in their mind, what is that one question? Uh, I'm going to take yours. <laughs> <laughs> Go ahead. What happens to this if anything happens to me? And if they think they know the answer, prove it to themselves. Because many people will answer that question with, oh, it'll be okay. This is what will happen. My attorney, my wife, they'll elect a new president of the board and, and they spin into, hey. <laughs> I'm not sure that's best. Um, if they aren't satisfied with the answer to that question, then they need a thoughtful, proper succession plan. You took Don's answer. Don, do you have a different answer? No, that's the best question. <laughs> that's the answer. <laughs> when, when I was training Misty, I encouraged her to invite old business owners, particularly men. I'm sorry. That's just the way the world is. And I said, you are you are who I would be if I was pretty. And if you go to these guys and just tell them you want to you want to become acquainted with them, you're not going to sell them anything, but you just want to find out how did you get started? What made this thing work and invite them to breakfast and they'll talk for two hours and then tell everybody what a wonderful conversationalist you are. They will pay for the breakfast. <laughs> and before you leave the table, look at them and say, what happens to this thing if anything happens to you? And you now are into a very possibly a client relationship in the future. Yeah, it's such an important question that people don't necessarily 
have the answers to. Uh, listening to this today is kind of a great 101 on why we should take action now when time is on our side and we can create options for the future is something I say to clients all the time. And it's obviously a theme on this show that people have heard from me, but you've reinforced that over and over again in our time together. If people want to reach out to you and learn more, what's a great way to get in touch? Our phone number is 719-471-8320. And our website is, we have lots of information on there that we've written over the years. Uh, that's www.passitoninc.com. And of course, we'll include that in the show notes as well. And I ask all of my guests if they have something that inspires them from an inspire, you know, inspires for entrepreneurship or for your vocation. You're passionate about so many things. And we've we've heard that today. Is there a quote that you want to share back with us? Sure. Uh, yeah, the one that I came up with when you asked us to think about it is we we spend a lot of time solving problems for clients who come to us pretty complex situations and they want a simple solution. Oftentimes, in order to create the simplest solution, we almost have to make it a little more complex for them for a moment. And um, I often think about I think it was Albert Einstein that said this, but he he said that no problem can be solved from the same level of consciousness that created it in the first place. Um, and so that's where our creativity has to come into play. I've heard that said that the uh, solution to serious problems always creates new problems for which you don't yet have the solution. <laughs> The complexity in and of itself is part of it, right? It's almost like this, uh, you know, whack-a-mole where one pop yeah. is going to keep <laughs> popping up. But you both have such wonderful expertise. I love you shared your own succession story and how you're guiding others to, to find theirs. So thank you so much for joining me today, Don and Misty. Thank thanks you. for having us thanks on your program, Marty. Oh, absolutely. And for all the listeners, thanks so much for tuning in. Be sure to subscribe to the show wherever you listen to podcasts and also check us out on YouTube. Be sure you get all of our episodes of Succession Stories in your proverbial inbox. Stay tuned for more stories from transition to transaction. Until next time, here's to your success. My objective is for you to have a lucrative and successful succession. If you want to understand the value of your company today, that's a great place to start. The sooner you understand what creates value and what detracts from it, the more time you'll have to close the gap if there is one. Hundreds of business owners have taken my complimentary business assessment. As a first step, schedule a call with me by visiting meetlauriebarkman.com. That's meetlauriebarkman.com.